Hello, Gold Church. My name is Arlene Morrell. I am so honored to be sharing the word with you today. I am speaking on the subject of prayer. Did you know that prayer is the greatest force on planet Earth? Prayer is how we spiritually fight against the enemy of our soul and against the enemy of our family. Prayer is so important in the fight against the enemy. A prayer is so important that why don't we do more of it? Well, I think the thing is, is that people give up. I think people give up when it comes to praying and waiting. Waiting is the problem. Our problem is that when we pray and God doesn't answer like we told him to, we give up. We often look at the problem instead of the promise. If we could keep our eyes on the promise, we will have faith to believe that God will do it. Then we look at the situation and we judge God's doings. If it's not do it, happening fast enough, then we say God did not answer our prayers. But he's working on it because God is not a man that he should lie. In fact, in Numbers 23, he says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? The other thing that we tend to do is put an expiration on our prayers. If it doesn't happen by a certain time, then we give up. We shouldn't do that. We should wait on God. I was thinking about Elijah when I was preparing this message. The Bible tells us that Elijah is a man just like us. He has passions just like we do. But God gave him a promise. And he held on to that promise for three years and six months. And then God said, it's time. I'm bringing that promise to fruition. And I, Elijah went up into a mountain and he sent his servant seven times to look for rain. And each time his servant came back and said, I don't see anything. Essence like us, we don't see it happening, but God is working because on that seventh time, the servant came back and he said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. God will answer our prayers, but we can't abort our prayers. We can't give up on our prayers. The minute you pray, God is on it. He heard you. But the minute you pray, the enemy then gets busy trying to stop you from holding on to that prayer. That's not what we want to do. I remember a time when, this was quite a while ago, where I was dealing with a court situation. And the Lord gave me a word. He says, you will not have to fight in this battle. That's all he said. And for five years, I held on to that promise. And when the time came for that promise to show up, I'm telling you, it showed up in a big way. Everything in that situation went into, in my favor. Hold on to your prayers. Don't let the enemy abort your prayers. And you know what? 
regardless of who believes with you, regardless of who gives up on that, that promise and your prayer, regardless, don't give up. You stand, stand, never give up on your prayers. Giving up is not an option. Hold on for dear life. Elijah held on for three and a half years like a dog with a bone. He wouldn't let it go. And because he didn't, he saw the results of his prayer. I want to thank God for the privilege and the opportunity to come before his throne boldly and pray and give our petitions and stand in the gap for other people, stand in the gap for our country, stand in the gap for our pastors, stand in the gap for our family. He gives us that privilege through Jesus Christ. We're so grateful. So let's not abort our prayers. Let's pray until we see what we are praying for. Amen. All right, Go Church, are you ready? Let's go, man. Hey, one thing you need to know about me right off the bat is I hate being late. I hate when people are late. It drives me nuts. All my early people, give me a shout out in the comments right now. But I think we get frustrated with God when he doesn't show up when we want him to. You know how it goes. You pray, you ask God to meet your request, and then there's this waiting period, and you're hoping and praying that God answers really quick, but he doesn't always answer as fast as we want him to. And so we continue to ask, and there's this frustration of anticipation that begins to build in our hearts. And so I want to share with you a story today on waiting found in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So, time out. We're going to move down in the chapter for just a second, but Zechariah is in the temple, and all of a sudden an angel appears. And look at what the angel says in verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many people will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many people of the Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in spirit in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Zechariah has been praying this prayer for years that God would somehow give him a child, and now he's past childbearing age, so is Elizabeth, and all of a sudden we hear this response from the Lord. I can imagine that there was a time in Zechariah's life where his prayers maybe turned from hope to a little bit of bitterness and, and misunderstanding with God on why God didn't answer that request. But you need to know this, the timing of God and the timing of man are not the same. They're not always on the same schedule. In fact, despite how you may feel right now, it's never too late for God to answer your prayers. Think about this for a second. If Zechariah would have received the child the very first time he prayed when he was a young man, would he have really given God the credit for this miraculous birth of a child? Or would he have just chalked that up to his own nature and his own doing? 
What if God was holding out on Zechariah all this time because he wanted a child that not only had a miraculous birth, but lived a miraculous destiny. And he wanted Zechariah to know that this is an anointed blessing from God. When God doesn't show up as expected, it's really easy to think that he's not paying attention. Like that somehow he's not listening to you or he doesn't care. But look at all the blessings this child would become. So hear me out when I say this. What God is crafting for you in this season is more than what you're asking for. It's more than what you could dream. He's not just a God who gives gifts, but he's a God who gives good and perfect gifts. I believe that this is not just some random moment in scripture, but one aligned to show you and I that God really cares and he wants to give us more than what we think or could imagine. You know, I believe that God is not a God of a holdout. He's not holding out on you and I, trying to keep us from some kind of blessing or from something good. But what he's actually doing is crafting something exceptional for you and I to receive and to give him the glory for. So I'm challenging you with this, all right? Don't allow the enemy. Don't allow him to get in your mind and get in your heart and tell you that all those years, all those days of praying and praying and praying and asking God to intervene are all wasted time. Because they're not. They're not wasted time. There is no wasted time with God. There's waiting time, but there's no wasted time. And I know this, that God is either holding out because we're not ready for it, or he's holding out to give us something better. I want to ask you this question, Go Church. Are you willing to pray one more time? Are you willing to pray just a little bit longer and a little bit harder and a little bit further? Are you willing to go further and further in your request to the Lord, trusting and believing that it's never too late for him? Because when I read scripture like this, I see that it wasn't too late for Zechariah and Elizabeth. It wasn't too late for Lazarus. And that tells me that it will not be too late for me. God is still on time. He's still in control and he still cares. So I want you to keep praying. I want you to keep believing. I want you to keep seeking and I want you to keep trusting that God is going to do exactly what he says in his word and he's going to come to your aid and he's going to bless you with exactly what you need. So let's keep praying and let's go church. Come on. Go Church! I'm so excited to get to share with you for a few minutes today. You know, this pandemic has affected all of our lives in different ways, and one of those ways is that our kids are now being homeschooled. Well, and that has been a challenge. I don't know if it has been for you, but for us it has. We had to quickly learn how to organize lesson plans for the kids that teachers were sending in to us. We had to create a space in our spare bedroom for them to study and be able to do school every day. And I had to create a whole new routine in the mornings for our family to make sure we're getting school done every single day. It's just one of the challenges that has come along with this. But one thing that I've noticed over these last several weeks of teaching my kids at home is that I'm constantly reminding them of this one thought. And I I seem to say it to them in some way almost every day. I'll say, just give me your very best. That's all I'm asking for, just your very best. And I feel like I'm reminding them of this in all kinds of different ways. So I'll say something like, I don't want you to be the fastest kid in your class getting your work done. I just want your very best work. Or if they're having a hard time, maybe they're complaining, I'll say, I don't need you to complain. I just need your best 
attitude. And I'm constantly reminding them of this. And so as I'm teaching this principle to my kids, even this week, I'm reminded of a scripture that God gives us where he's asking us to just give our very best. And I want to read that with you. It comes from Colossians 3, verse 22. And I'm going to read from the message translation. It says, servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. And be confident that you will get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. And keep in mind always that the master you are serving is Jesus Christ. Wow, do you feel conviction when you read that? I mean, this is such a great reminder for us today because for many of us, we are still working from home. And so maybe it's easier for you to do your job at 50% working from home instead of giving it 100 if you were back in the office. Or maybe for you, you are back at work, but maybe your direct report or your boss is not there and not standing over you. And so you go in late or you leave early and you're just not giving your very best. Or maybe it has nothing to do with your job at all, but it's at home and your spouse They're asking you just for a little help at home, and you do just enough to get by, just enough to keep them quiet, right? Well, I love the translation that we read of this verse because it talks about this. It says, don't just do the minimum, do your very best. God is expecting us to do our best in everything that we do. And listen, he's not asking us to be perfect here. Just like I don't expect my children to be perfect in their schoolwork, I'm just asking for their best effort. And that's what he's asking of us as well. And he's telling us to work at it with all of our heart. So this is a heart check for all of us. So whether you like the job you've been asked to do or not, whether you want to do the chore that you've been asked to do or not, Whether you're getting paid overtime for staying in late and just making your work excellent, or whether you're getting any recognition at all, we're to do it with all of our heart, with all of our heart. And then he says, be confident because you're going to receive your reward. And that may come on this earth or it may not, but we have to remember that our reward is coming from the Lord and he will not forget about us. He notices the effort that you put into every single thing that you do. And we have to remember that God actually is our boss. God is the one that we're working for. God is the one that sees all and knows all, and he's the one that we're serving. You know, I want to share a story with you that I read one time. It was about an elderly carpenter, and he decided that he was ready to retire. He had built so many beautiful homes, so he was ready. He was ready, and so he let his employer know, and when his employer found out that he was going to retire, he was so disappointed, so he asked him to just build one more home for him. And so the carpenter reluctantly agreed to do it, and he started to build this home, but his heart wasn't in it. He did a half-hearted effort, and he was cutting corners and just taking shortcuts and not using the best building materials. And so when he was finished, the quality of his work was nowhere near his normal standards. But the home was finally finished, and so the employer came to inspect the home just like he always did. 
And after he finished inspecting the home, he came to the carpenter and he presented him the key to the house. And he said, sir, this house is for you. It's a gift from me for all the beautiful homes that you've built me over the years. Well, you can only imagine the carpenter was shocked and truly embarrassed too. Because if only he had put his heart into his work, he could have built for himself the most beautiful home he had ever built in all of his career. And so I want to ask you today, Go Church, are you truly giving your very best to Jesus Christ in all that you do? And if not, what do you need to change today? So one of my all-time heroes, and I mean absolute heroes, especially growing up as a kid in the 90s, was Michael Jordan. I was obsessed with everything Michael Jordan. Posters in my room. Everything had to be red and black, not for the Georgia Bulldogs, go Jackets, but only for the Chicago Bulls. I mean, I was obsessed. And so right now, there's actually this documentary series called The Last Dance that's highlighting Michael Jordan's basketball career, especially throughout the 90s, and I'm loving it. But there was one episode that talked about Michael Jordan, and basically in the early 90s, he he got a lot of criticism after he kind of reached, you know, a couple of NBA finals, and he started really just being the hero of the world. I mean, everyone, even the Gatorade commercial, I want to be like Mike. Everyone wanted to be like Mike. He was revolutionizing the game, pop culture. He was an icon. But a couple of things happened and, you know, he had some gambling things and then, you know, he didn't endorse a specific political candidate that people thought he should. And uh, he caught a lot of flack for it. And he had this quote at the end of one of the episodes of The Last Dance. And it really stuck out to me. I actually wrote it down right when he said it. He said something like this. He said, If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't want to be a role model. It's like playing a game where the odds are stacked against you. There's no way that you can win. This is coming from one of the greatest role models in sports history or American history. I mean, everyone wanted to be like him. And here he is saying, you know what? I wish I wasn't a role model. All I wanted to do was be a great basketball player. I never wanted to be a role model. And he learned something that the Apostle Paul had already learned after meeting Jesus. He writes this in Galatians 1.10. This is what the Apostle Paul says. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I want you to know that today. Throughout this pandemic and really throughout your life, You've had several opportunities to help people in need and to do something nice for people. And you should. We should always be kind. But I want to challenge you to something here because the Lord really laid this on my heart. Do you want to help people because you want to really impact their lives? Or is there something in you that's trying to be a role model? Are you trying to be a hero to people? Are you hoping that people are pleased with you because of the amount of work you're doing for them? Man, that is, in America, we have that, that thing called, often referred to as the hero complex. And I want you to know that the hero complex, not only can it hurt other people and you let people down, but it can also hurt yourself 
And you can realize that you'll never be able to live up to that standard of trying to please people. Even if you earn it, it's so easy to lose it. So I want to challenge you to do what Paul did. He said that in Galatians 1.10. And then at the very end of Galatians chapter 1, this is what he said. And I love this. He said, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, were, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Paul said, look, I finally did it. I accomplished it. I was able to be unknown. People glorified God because of me. But sometimes when we're in that role model hero complex, when we're just trying to be a role model, sometimes people try to glorify us instead of God. And you go in the name of God, but really you're the one receiving all the glory. You're the one receiving all the recognition. So let me ask you, next time you try to help someone, next time you're trying to give, next time you serve or do anything nice whatsoever, what are you really after? Are you trying to be a role model? You're trying to help people? If so, then you're, if you're trying to be a role model, you can't be a servant of Christ because you're serving yourself. The reward you're getting is that recognition from them. So let's, let's not have to get to the end of our career and the end of our lives like Michael Jordan and realize, man, my whole life I tried to be a role model and I let everyone else down and I let myself down. Let's be like the Apostle Paul, but even better, let's be like Christ who made himself into sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could become righteous. He came from heaven to earth to serve. And that's our heart. Not to be known, but to be unknown. My prayer is that every sermon I preach, people wouldn't say how great David is, but that they would see how great God is. That's my challenge to you. Is it about you or is it about Christ? Hello, Go Church. I'm Pastor Allen, and I'm glad to be a part of those speaking on this Lord's Day. I want to think with you of two words, giant slayer. I want to reference two accounts in Scripture with regards to giants. One reference is found in Numbers 13. It is here that the children of Israel are preparing to cross into the promised land under the leadership of Moses. The other reference is 1 Samuel 17. It is here that David and the people of God are faced with repeated threats from the Philistine giant. Without exception, we all have a giant or giants in our lives. If you don't have any now, look out. They're on their way. Here is a small list of possible giants. Sickness, fear, doubt, anxiety, finances, marriage, family, Addiction. America is facing a giant. The world is facing a giant. We can't see it. We can't hear it. We can't touch it. We cannot effectively stop it. It traps you before you know it. Seems like the whole world is standing still. We know this giant as COVID-19. Let me give you a few thoughts about understanding giants. A giant is anything that stands between you and God's plan for you. Giants and their plans 
for the children of Israel was to hinder them from going into the land of abundance. The Israelites allowed the giants to keep them from the promise of God. Here's another thought. A giant is anything that seems bigger than you and your desire to serve the Lord. In their fear, they forgot that God had done repeated miraculous works on their behalf. A giant is not a threat to God. In addition, a giant is anything that is stronger than us and cannot be faced by us alone. Ten of the twelve spies sent by Moses to explore the land and bring back a report said, The land is everything God had said it would be. But we saw giants. They saw giants, but they failed to see God. Here are some truths about giants in our lives. All of us have them. I noted that earlier. A giant doesn't have to be tall or wide or with a deep threatening voice to be a giant. Sometimes giants are invisible and come in small packages. Giants are oftentimes ambassadors of the devil. Goliath, if you will, was an ambassador of the devil to destroy God's plan for his people. We need to be careful that we are not befriending an ambassador of the devil by what we say, what we do, and where we go. Giants are not our friends. They are agents of the devil. Also, the Lord oftentimes would allow them in our lives. Why would he do that? So we can grow in faith. So that we can cultivate a testimony. The more giants we defeat, the greater our faith and testimony. God allows them in our lives so we can have renewed hope. Now think about this. How do we triumph over giants in our lives? Number one, believe that the promises of God are true. Before the children of Israel approached the border of the promised land, God told them something like this. I will take you in the land. I will drive out the enemy. I will give you property and homes and food and livestock and more. They did not believe God because of the fear. And because they did not believe, they did not receive. The giant of doubt caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Here's another thought on triumph over giants. Approach possible giants in the name of the Lord. Giants like Goliath came against David and the people of God. Goliath was large. He was well armed. He had a powerful voice. But that did not mean that God could not cause David to defeat him. David had overcome a bear and a lion because of the power of God. So David said, you come to me with all this armor, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. There's another plan that God has to defeat the giants. Say to that giant, the battle is the Lord's. All you have to do in the face of your giant is to say, I am not strong enough in myself, but I'm not here alone. The battle is the Lord's. One thought, closing. Assist people with giants in their lives. If you've overcome a giant, find somebody else who need to overcome a giant and help them make it. If God has given you a win, 
Find somebody else and help them win. So I have a closing thought for you. Giants don't go away. They have to be faced and defeated. Who or what is your giant? Are you ready to defeat your giant? I believe you are. So let us pray together. Father, I thank you for the word of God, everyone that's shared today. Thank you, God, that there is resurrection power in your word. God, over the giant of fear or doubt or anxiety or addiction or sickness or marital problems or demonic attack, over all these giants and more, I plead the blood of Jesus. I call upon the name of Jesus. There's power in your name. And Father, I pray today that we will hear reports of thanksgiving and victory because of your people receiving this word, having heard the word today. We rejoice in you and thank you that we are overcomers through Jesus Christ. Amen.